Welcome back, everybody. Encounters God time here on The Breakfast Show. It means we're going to get into our 20 million movement Bible study. We can join 20 million other people who are going to be studying the same passages of the Bible at the same time. Although this morning we're going to study a couple of passages from yesterday's Bible study that we didn't get time to. Brilliant. So that's going to be good. Uh, but before we get into it, we are going to look at another clue for our quiz. Okay, a couple of things. Yeah, we have had we've had an answer, but ineligible, so it's still out there. Okay. So somebody has got it correct. So, but the prize is still available. So do give us a call if you know who this is. One eight hundred three two four eight four three, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. All right. Next clue. Clue number four. My husband told the Philistines that I was his sister because he feared that they would kill me. Okay. Mm. Who was that? I wouldn't have picked that as a, the clue. But that's all right. If you know, let us know. Yeah. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843. Yeah, the clues have been – this is a bit of – I have to admit, it's this a one's a little bit obscure, obscure this morning. Yeah, yeah, yep. I do can care. All right. Okay, so um, going back to the story that we were talking about uh, with the Pope's yes. uh, speech yesterday in relationship to the environment – um, a listener has texted through um, with this interesting statement, no man can buy or sell, that would help all to worship on one day. And if you stop and think about it, if you stop buying and selling for a day, that's going to have a massive impact on the environment. That kind of you know, mm. accomplishes what you want to do as far as giving the environment one day of rest for a week if you just stop all business transactions for a day. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to stop all of your emergency services and medical and all that kind of stuff, which of course needs to continue all the time. But it's going to have a huge impact if you stop business for one day. Aye. Our world has gone very, very much down the opposite path for quite a number of years, and we're now reaping the burnout as a result of that. We're, we're reaping high suicide rates. We're reaping high depression rates. We're reaping, you know, all of these problems. It would not be hard to see the world accepting something like that. Mm-hmm. And the Bible mm-hmm. does it. There is a verse in the Bible about not buying and selling. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, ooh, yeah, okay, so a couple of other things there. <laughs> we, might, we might talk about those in, in, in a minute. I don't have time to read everything that's coming through. The, but if you've got something that you would like to share, mm. we would like to hear from you. Absolutely. So you can call us on 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on 0491-064-669. We always like to hear from our listeners, hear what you're thinking, what your comments are, and uh, that's what the open line is for. Mm. Yes, the best. Uh, you can. You are welcome to disagree with us. Sometimes that's even better. Call, up and, you- us, call <laughs> up and give us a hard time. It's like, Lyle, no, you are, you are speaking heresy. Lyle doesn't speak heresy. I was going to say, we hope that you're not speaking heresy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that there are some people who think that I do, and that's quite fine. You know, that's uh, we, it makes a better world when we can have disagreements because mm-hmm. then it pushes us to study and to learn more. Yep. The world would become a very stagnant place if we agreed on everything all the time. Mm. Knowledge would never progress. No. It is disagreements that cause knowledge to progress, so do not be scared to uh, to call up and have your say. That's what I tell people, actually, when they're like, oh, we just disagree, and they won't explain their point of view. I'm like, no, 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 if, like, I'm willing to listen. If you really think I'm an idiot, educate me. Don't just tell me I'm an idiot. That's not helpful. That's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. 
Explain. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. Okay, so we've got a couple of verses here, a number of verses uh, from yesterday's Bible study that we are going to look at. Many, can you start for us in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, please? Yes, I can. It's truly sad on Tuesdays when I'm not here because I feel like I've missed so much and I'm like, oh, what did they talk about? Okay, so Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Okay, so what is Jesus doing here? He's now, remember, remember what we're... Okay, let's, 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 before, I, before I let you answer that one, mm-hmm. let me jump in. Mm-hmm. I know I do that a little bit too much. No, that's okay. I try not to. <laughs> but let me jump in. I have to jump in here. Yesterday, we're talking about Moses, the story of Moses. Mm-hmm. And you missed half of the Bible study. I know, it's very sad. In the story of Moses... We have uh, his father-in-law, Jethro. There's a whole chapter basically dedicated to this guy named Jethro, who's his father-in-law and who is a priest of God and who is an Ethiopian who lives in Midian. Mm-hmm. Interesting character. Very, very interesting character. Okay, so we've got this Ethiopian priest uh, and he comes to Moses and they're super happy to see each other. They uh, sit down and swap stories. And, of course, he's been looking after Moses' family while Moses has been uh, down in Egypt very wise thing for Moses to do, not to take his his wife and his children down there at that particular time. And so you can imagine, you know, Moses is getting back together with his family again. Uh, this is going to be a time of great rejoicing. And, of course, Jethro is just super excited to see how God has been working, and so he's, he's offering sacrifices. But then he, sees, then he sees Moses working as the judge of the Israelites. The Israelites have very, very little knowledge of the law of God. It's been lost over the 400 years that they've been in captivity. And so they're coming to Moses with pretty much every legal issue that there is in a nation of, you know, over a million people. That's a lot. Hmm. And so then Moses has to say, okay, the law says this, the law says that, the law says the other. And if the people already knew the law, it would be so much easier because they would be able to not have to come to Moses in the first place. Yep. And so Jethro's like, look, this is going to burn you out real fast, big time. What you need to do is to appoint people over thousands, over hundreds, and over tens. And so then you train the ones that are over thousands, they, they, they train the ones that are over hundreds, and they train the ones that are over tens, and you've got your problem sorted right there. I see where you're going with this. And basically <laughs> what Jethro uh, comes up with is the legal system that we have in pretty much every country in the world today. Mm. We have, you know, uh, magistrates, courts, lower courts, those kind of things. Deal with like minor traffic offences, all that kind of stuff. You work your way up through your criminal courts and your state courts and then your state high courts and then your high court of Australia. There's a process working its way back up and only the big cases go right to the top. And so I find that fascinating that uh, the principle, the legal system that we have in our world today is based on a legal system that came from an Ethiopian. <laughs> you often don't think about that, do you? Yeah, I like it when you simplify it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a legal system that is based off something that three and a half thousand years ago, mm-hmm. an Ethiopian guy came up with, gave it to Moses. Moses put it into practice. Um, and it has been working well ever since. Mm. Okay, so when you look at that, it works two ways. First of all, the knowledge goes from the one person to many, but he doesn't have to train 
all the people. Everyone. He just trains a small group and then they train a small group and then they train a small group and then everybody knows. So the message works its way down a little bit like a family tree works its way down. Then the judgment process of the law works its way back up. Mm. Now, if we then take that principle and apply it to sharing the gospel, this is a principle ordained by God by which we are to share the gospel. Sometimes we look out at the world and there's like, what, 7 billion people, whatever there is, and we're like, okay, how are we going to take the gospel to the whole world? Well, guess what? God has not taught called you to take the gospel to the whole world. He's taken called you to take the gospel to the people in your sphere of contact. Mm. And as you take it to them, they have their own. Each one of them has their sphere of contact. How big is your sphere, do you think, Minnie? How many, how many people are in your sphere? That I directly interact with? Not that many. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I have people globally that I randomly will drop a line to. Do you have social they? media? I do. Okay, so you're going to have a fairly wide variety of people there. How but you're many, not engaging many, with them all the time. How many friends would you have on social media? Can I ask that question or oh. not? Oh, you can. But again, it's very loose. Yeah, like, I'm, 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 yeah getting, okay. I'm going somewhere yeah. with this. I'm going somewhere mm, with this. There might on Facebook there might be like twelve or thirteen hundred people. That's decent. Yeah, but I don't. I'm not engaging. Out of those twelve or thirteen hundred, how do you many you engage with? You reckon maybe fifty? Yeah, probably. About fifty. Like there'd be a bunch I. Yeah, we'll drop a line to, but it's not consistent. And there are probably three or four hundred that are the kind of friends. I'm, I'm just sort of speculating here because I'm just thinking my Facebook is similar and it would be similar with me. There are probably three or four hundred there mm. that I would instantly recognize their face and their name mm. and who they are and context and where I know them from and have a good conversation with them whenever I bump into them. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we have a sphere of influence that sort of radiates out in various varying degrees of influence, uh, and we can kind of measure it a little bit by, I guess, our social media. And within that sphere of influence, you know, you can have an influence over 1,200 people. You can have an influence over three or 400 people. They're the ones that will probably actually stop to read your post if you put a post up. And then there might be, say, 50 people that would be amongst the people that would there's probably going to be about 50 that are going to read your post. Yeah. yeah and the ones that you really interact with are the ones that are going to comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reality is that God calls us to reach the people. And we might look at that like, oh, 50? Really? They're going to be the pool of people that are going to read the post seriously enough to comment on it? But that's the group of people that God calls us to reach out to. Mm. And if those 50, oh. uh, you, you watch how quickly this will compound. If those 50 then have 50 of their own, mm-hmm. so 50 times 50. Yeah. Okay. All those of you who are mathematics can do the math <laughs> and figure this out. Uh, it's not going to take, it's going to take a very, very short space of time. And this is what we have seen in our world with social media where things go viral. Mm-hmm. Because you send, you post something, 50 people see it, five people repost it. Mm-hmm. For those five people, they have 50 people each which see it and five that repost it, and suddenly it becomes a global phenomena mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is right across the world. Aye. And this is how Jesus designed the gospel to be taken to the whole world through small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, changing the subject uh, very, very briefly here, I did have a uh, another text message that came through in relationship to... Uh, buying and selling, mm-hmm. 
and a um, a day a regular day of no buying and selling. Um, and they've said, you know, connect it to the global global economic reset of 2021. It's a bunch of people talking about the reset of 2021. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to be a very interesting year to watch and see what happens. See what happens, yeah. Yeah, we will know all about it when 2021 <laughs> comes. Um, but, you know, we certainly live in an interesting time as far as the economy goes. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the economy <laughs> just as fragile as what it is right now? You know? <laughs> I've never seen it in my lifetime. No. It's, you kind of think it's a bit of a joke, to be honest. You're like, nah, someone's someone's having a laugh. Like, this isn't legit. And you're like, oh, this isn't legit. Yeah, that's right. Mm. You know, and, and I guess we've lived in this environment, and um, I know I'm changing the subject here briefly. I will come back to what we were talking about. We've lived in an environment where, you know, the world is a pretty small place. We travel here. We don't even think about it. We travel there, travel somewhere else. Mm. That could all be over. Yeah. It could. It could all be over because yeah. when those airline companies come back, mm. they're not going to be able to afford to give you the tickets they were giving you before. Oh. There's no one in a million years. Mm. And so for the average person, you know, travel is going to be widespread, regular travel is going to be a thing of the past. Which, to be honest, there are so many people in the world that it hasn't been open to before. It's just when generally not those people. Yes, and so, yeah. That's right. We'll feel it. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling it already. I'm feeling claustrophobic because, you know, <laughs> the whole world used to be uh, kind of my playground and now it's just not. Not, mm-hmm. not even all of Australia is at the moment. <laughs> no, that's right. But, the, you know, New South Wales has got great, lots of great places oh, yeah. to go oh, see. Yeah. Never going to run out of things to see in New South Wales. We are sidetracked. Let's get back to our subject of what we're talking about here. Make, make, make sure I'm not getting more messages coming through. Sometimes I miss messages when they come through. Okay, we're good to go. So Jesus' model here is that Jesus, okay, he preaches to large crowds, mm-hmm. but he trains 12. Yes. I mean, you think about that. His commission, his job is to come to earth and start a new global worldwide religion. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was given that job, I'd be going after the masses. You know, your initial thing is like, oh, I've got to go after the mass. I've got to preach to the whole world. Jesus just trains 12 people. Mm. And then they train their sphere of influence. And they train Keeps going. their sphere of influence. Now, certainly Jesus preached to more than that, but him preached outside the city, of the nation of Israel. But do you think, like, I think there's a really big difference here between um, it's a good message and it needs to be shared but when you have a small group, there's kind of a few things, you know, in, in the context of Moses, part of it is so he doesn't burn out. But part of it is when you, I think, engage in particular, just investing in certain people. Yes. You're also giving them ownership. That's right. Of that message. Absolutely. And when that message becomes your message, you get more passionate about it. You know, like how often have you been somewhere? It could be this amazing conference. You've heard these great things. The pastor was, you know, you're like, yes, I'm filled with the spirit. You know, like whatever it is that you're just so excited to share then you don't know where to go or who to tell. So quickly, if you don't get on that, this is my message, you can lose that fire really quick. You know that it still matters, but you're like, oh, yeah, but they did it better. You know, when it becomes yours, you get that burden in your heart to share, even if you don't know how, even if it seems hard. Like you said, that sphere of influence changes so much in in what you're willing to do when that becomes yours. Yes, do you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. It's because all those faces out there, it's like, yeah, I want you to know 
But if there's no response, you're kind of like, ah, oh, pity. But hmm. when it's people close to you, you're like, how do I explain this? I just wish you could understand. You know, you put so much more of yourself into sharing that. That is such a valid point right there. And and this is why God calls us, you know, go, to your, go to your sphere of influence. Mm. Uh, people look at themselves like, oh, I could never be a missionary. I could never, I could never share the gospel. I could never, you know, preach before thousands. I could never, you know, get up the front. God doesn't call you to do that. He <laughs> just like calls you to share it with your sphere of influence. Share the gospel with the people around you, mm, mm. and share it with passion and with excitement, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the love of God, and share what you have. I. That's yeah, absolutely. Share what Jesus has done. For you and share your experience with Jesus. Mm. Yes. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. Mark 3, verse 13 to 15. Now, of course, you might be um, out there today and you might be uh, wondering, um, you know, what, how could I be part of a small group? Mm. And we do mention this from time to time. If you would like to be part of a small group Bible study, even during COVID times, yeah, no, it's not going to happen in Victoria, in Melbourne. I get that. But it will happen. It's a matter of time. Uh, There are small groups. And this is one of the great things about COVID is that once we get to, once we get out of stage three uh, lockdowns, then we do have that ability to be able to meet in people's homes. Looking at some of the uh, legislation in New South Wales yesterday. And there's some fairly tight restrictions on what you can do at church. Mm. It's a lot easier in a home. You are allowed to have 20 people in your home plus the people who are already there. Yeah, yeah. So how many people in your home? Three? Two. Two. So you're allowed to have 22 people in that home. Heaps. (laughs) Don't know if it'll fit, but... (laughs) That's right. And social distancing is not required. Interesting. Smart to do, but not required. Yeah, but not required. And so you can have a small group. Uh, worship and what what we're finding is that a lot of our churches are actually functioning in people's homes, and the, the whole church, you know, big church, but the whole church is just spread over like a whole bunch of different homes. But that's the best. I my little uh, personal opinion <laughs> is I actually think that's more of the biblical model. That's what I just really believe. Indeed. Okay, so uh, we've got a uh, message coming through here from on the text message. Not everyone. Uh, buys and sells every day right now. So would a day of worship rest ban on buying and selling have a great impact? Could the Bible prediction be re, re, prediction uh, regarding no buying and selling relate to a permanent ban? Uh, oh, find it, it continues on here. Oh, we've got, okay, we've got a couple of different comments coming through. Let me comment on this first one first. Let me go back up here. We'll comment on this one. Um, okay, so uh, if, you, if you brought all trade to a standstill. Mm-hmm. So that means that not only do retail outlets close, but businesses close. Yes. And this is what I see taking place in the Bible. Uh, and if you're going to have an impact on the environment, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to bring all trade as in business to a close for one day a week, give everybody a rest, give everybody a break. Uh, then... I think that would have a tremendous impact. Uh, could it relate to a permanent ban? I, I believe that the uh, that's what the Bible teaches. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely teaching a permanent ban. It's not a one-off thing. It's not a uh, a partial thing. It's a um, the Bible talks about a permanent ban on a regular occasion. 
or a permanent. It also talks about another aspect of that is a permanent ban on certain groups of people. Mm-hmm. That's called that's called economic sanctions, and we see economic sanctions being used around the world uh, to control various outcomes amongst various people groups all the time. This is not uncommon. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So we've got messages coming through left, right, and centre here. Uh, let me see. Uh, we had another message coming through talking about letterboxing, a great way to do ministry when all truth is restricted and people still get things in their hands. Absolutely. Mm. That will be a method here in Australia that uh, hopefully we will have uh, you know, to be able to share the gospel with people. Um, it's a very non-obtrusive way. If people don't want it, they recycle it. Yep. Simple as that. And if people do want it, then we can reach out to them. Can have a read. Uh, we had another message here coming in from uh, another text message. I find it interesting that those who say that the law has been nailed to the cross and the Old Testament is irrelevant logically have to remove principles Jethro gave to Moses from yeah gave to Moses. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thought. Mm. So if you're going to take away do away with the whole law. You know, your, your first five books of Moses are spoken of as the law. You can say the law was nailed to the cross. You're nailing a lot of stuff to the cross. Mm-hmm. And like you said, some stuff that we have used. Oh, so years much. Years later, we're still, <laughs> we're still operating on that model. So much of what we use today comes straight out of, you know, the, the, the first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And people have no idea. They just do not even realize it. You know, like the whole COVID thing. Or everything we're doing about COVID just comes straight out of the first five books of the Bible. Yep, yep. Quarantine, social distancing, hygiene. Yep. Um, that's all biblical. That's that's how the Bible said you, you get a pandemic, old. this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three and a half thousand years old. It's just epically good. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's good to hear from our listeners. If you've got uh, thoughts that you'd like to share, do get in contact with us. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669 and send us through your thoughts, your ideas on our Bible study or anything else that you'd like to just sort of yeah, chat about this morning. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse uh, 12 to 25. We've spoken about this passage a, a number of times in the, uh, in the last few months, but we're going to look at it again. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 25. Bit of a passage here. Okay. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body it would be if we had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honourable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. 
This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. Okay, so Minnie, what's the central thought that is coming out of this passage right here? One body, many parts. And as a member of a community, a church community, Mm. for instance, how does it actually work? Do you have (laughs) some members of that community of more significance and value and contribution than others? Look... How it, how it is and how it should be can be different sometimes. All right. So spoken by a church planter. Yes. No, this was a really good response. Well, you because, know what I mean, I mean though, a, don't a, you? a question right here. I was like, how is Minnie going to deal with this question? And I'm like, that was very, very diplomatic and that was very shrewd answer. You could be a politician. No. <laughs> take it back. Okay, I take it back. I totally take it back. Okay, let me just figure it. Let me remember, remind myself how you said that. Look, how it is and how it should be are two different things. Doesn't Isn't have so to be, true? but often it is. You know, right. I think. And I, I look. I think. So let's then. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. How do we? Let's talk about how it should be. Mm-hmm. So I think from this passage, it just makes it really clear that yeah, absolutely. Like if we look in the context of not body now, but people, we all might have different things that we're asked to do, different ways we're going to do the things, but you can't diminish the next person or feel diminished yourself because it's like, oh, but I should be a that or you should be a that because like this this makes the point, right? If um, if we were all just one part, like if, if my whole body was an ear, like, you know, it's just useless. Like, That's right. <laughs> and we say that and we're like, ha, 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 it doesn't make sense. But actually sometimes we do operate that way in churches. Sometimes you do go, no, no. These are the things we need. It's all about this. Yeah. And it's like, well, hold on. If we know logistics, well, like physically speaking, if a body had that, it, it just cannot operate as a body is designed by God to operate, then we're missing something. We're missing a beautiful, crucial, fundamental part of life. You know, even just um, listening to David Haupt's interview this morning and him just talking about his tongue, you know, what would happen if you were to lose your tongue? You could say, oh, that's just one part. Who cares? Well, no. The person who goes through, maybe you're going to lose your tongue. You know how important that part is to you. Never being able to speak again. Yep. Never being able to eat again except through a tube. Yep. Like that's that's huge. That's going to knock out a massive part of your – and it's just a small it's a small. Organ. It's just one part. And I think that's – to me when I read this, it just really highlights that. It's like, hey, that thing that you think may just be, <laughs> oh, it's just the one thing. Oh, that's just the one person's thing, the one ministry, the one – whatever the thing is – it can be really easy when we're not the one in that or we're not the one getting cut out. It can be easy to go, oh, but it's, it doesn't matter that much. And I was like, yeah, but it does. <laughs> okay, so if we look at a typical church community, what are some of the, difference, uh, the differences we've seen bet- between members of that community? What are some of the things that they can bring to the table that are different? That are different? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think an even really simple one. So I have – Two friends, um, one I know better than others, and just on the extrovert-introvert thing. Okay, yep. So uh-huh. I remember I was having this conversation once that sometimes – how easy it when how easy is it when you go to a group and you know people, you just talk to your friends. You're not trying to exclude the others. You just know these people, so you talk to them. And this one girl who I knew quite well, she was saying she is great at meeting new people. She'll talk to anyone. She's super enthusiastic. Like, she's awesome. She's like, but to be honest, I know that my skill is not seeing the new people. Like I just, I'm not trying to ignore them. I just don't see them. But her friend is the opposite. She observes everything 
She is so aware of who hasn't been here, who has been here, who's new, who's whatever. But she just never has the confidence to go speak to any of them. Like she'll know people and it'll still take her a while to warm up. So they had this really beautiful dynamic where the quiet girl would kind of come up because they were, she was quite good friends with the, the loud one. And she'd just be like, Hey, um, this person, like they've never been here before. Or, Hey, we haven't seen them for a few weeks. Or, Hey, you know, and she, and so they work together as They work together. And it was just a really beautiful dynamic. But oftentimes I think we go, you have to be the one who's like in your, and look, sometimes you do need to step out of your comfort zone and be like, right, no one else is doing it. It's time. But that was just one avenue where it's like, yep, okay, you're different, but it works together so beautifully. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's very cool. I, uh, you know, just sort of looking at this here, and I was just sort of thinking, you know, all the different parts we have uh, in the Bible. You've got different authors of the Bible. You've got different nationalities. Mm. You've got different cultures. And you've got the same thing in your church. One of the things that I saw that is different amongst us is that we all have different brokenness. Ooh. Good one. And our different brokenness actually gives us different missionary opportunities, different sharing opportunities. Yes. Because we can relate to people who are broken themselves. See, we should not see this necessarily. Ah, go, go. No, I was going to say, someone put on Facebook recently, and I've got to remember, it was something like, you are in the best position to serve the people you once were, or serve the person you once were. And I think that can apply to, in the context we're saying about our brokenness, the places that we have been puts us in a really beautiful, unique position of being able to minister in ways that someone can, but it's just not the same. Absolutely. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.